Here we go. This is it. Episode number 193 of No Laugh Track Podcast. My name is Justin Severson, the host. Thank you, Circle of Heat, for letting us play your music there at the beginning. Also want to say thank you once again to Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy, I know you're listening, so uh, this will make your day. No, you made my day uh, last Friday by staying late to do that podcast. So everyone, please listen to that one. Jimmy Pardo is the best. But... That title is up for grabs right now, of course, because I have a guest here, Joe Larson. I'm not taking anything from part. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't don't don't, don't put that kind of pressure on me. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. That's true. Is, uh, hey, now, you've already worked today. I already so. worked. Yeah, I did a corporate this morning, and then radio, and then I did an eight o'clock show at night last night. Eight o'clock show in the morning. I'm doing both eights. I'm doing two shows a day <laughs> on the eights. Every, on the eights. That's how I work it. <laughs> which sure. is actually funny. Which ties in perfectly because the uh, radio that you did, they do traffic and weather on the eights. Perfect. That's that's my number. It's I don't believe in astrological signs, or maybe I, I get mis- maybe I'm is that a thing? Numerology. Numerology. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. All that stuff's worse. <laughs> uh, but uh, Circle of Heat. They're play- You're playing them on the thing. Yeah, we play the up. Everybody they got hurts. their new album out. Yeah, I'm going to their thing on Friday in town here. Yeah, they got an album release party. You're, how are you going to go to a show Friday as when you're working here? As soon as here? I'm, I'm not doing the shows. Fuck this place! <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> just <laughs> no. Uh, are they after, working the the uh, restaurant here? How is that going to work? No, they're they're after my set. I'm just going to run over there. You know, see if I can't catch. Because I went nice maybe five years ago when they first started playing together. Um, it's a uh, oh my god what's his name Trevor Trevor yeah he was hosting here mm-hmm. and one after he was hosting like on a Thursday he was like yeah I got a show later I th- I want to say it was Halloween okay and me and Patrick Keen and him went to the show and uh, we smoked a little pot in the car nice and then um, it was in a like a Bavarian bar, a German bar thing. We have those. I don't know and which one it would they be. They had snus there. He was talking about snus. Oh yeah, where they yell something in German and smack something and right up your sh- nose. Yeah, shoots it straight up your nose. Yeah. And then did you, you do it? Yeah, I yeah. Did. yeah. I got kind of high. I took snus and then yeah. and then um and then they go on and then all of these people in mascot outfits come and start dancing and it was probably the weirdest. He and I, I was like, do you have those come every show? He's like. No, I don't even know where they came from. Just there was like four dudes, and then they started passing out like parts of their uniform. So like the one guy took his head off and gave it to a girl, and so she's just got a head on. And eventually most of the audience had a part of a mascot costume on. And it was – I woke up the next morning. I was like, I know I got a little bit high, but I didn't know. <laughs> where did I get these like, bunny feet? Yeah. where? <laughs> what is – did that happen? Is that real? Well, actually, we have uh, video footage of that night, and, none of, and I'm going to play that right now. None of that actually happened. It's just me sitting in the club, <laughs> just sitting right there in the seat. <laughs> it's you asking for Patrick Keene, and never yeah, going, yeah, he's yeah. not here. He's not here. <laughs> you he's, never even left. He hasn't even been here. I mean... <laughs> Very funny. Patrick Keene's been on this podcast. I love Patrick. Yeah, he's very, very one of the best joke writers around. Oh, so good. Uh, so here we are. It's Wednesday. Like you said, you've already worked this morning, which is unbelievable to me. You did a corporate mm-hmm. and did some radio, and now here we are doing the podcast. Uh, how was the show last night? How was it being on awesome. the stage? Awesome. Yeah? This is the best. Mm-hmm. Everybody says that, though, right? Yeah, is they better. Anybody, is there anybody who's like, eh, it's, it's an okay club? <laughs> I don't like it that, you know, this is... The they best. haven't said it here. No. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> I, uh, now, people, uh, I'm sure everyone remembers the last... We've met before, and it yep. was almost four years ago. Uh-huh. The very early, early, uh, you know... Back when you had Back when track. I would... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> episode five. Was it really? Yes. And now we're we're about to do 200. Jeebus, creebus. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. One a week. And uh, episode five, it was you and your dad, Elliot yeah. Max. Yeah. How is he doing? Uh, he's okay. He's okay? Um, yeah. That was, it's funny, I was talking to Derek today. That was kind of the beginning of uh, an epic change in life. Um, uh, I, I think you'd be fine t- with me talking about this. Uh, turns out he was a drug addict. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't. He wow. He had been taking narcotics for like 20 years. He was doing cold water extraction of codeine 
and uh, he was on ships a lot of the time. And when you do the cold water extraction of codeine, you know you can measure the dose. It's like pharmaceutical, so you can get high enough to function, you know. Um, and it got out of control, and um, he uh, he decided he wanted to go to rehab. My mom found out about it. Um, wow. They sold the house so that he could take some time off of work so that he could go and get clean. And wow. And he didn't get clean, and then the shit hit the fan between them, and then my mom left, and then he went to rehab, Holy and then they crap. were going to get back together, and then he, and then they didn't, and there had a lot of turmoil there, and then uh, he ended up meeting a girl in, in AA. You know, uh, it's the classic 13th step. Like, it's <laughs> it was somebody, I kept going, like, Dad, like, you... You're the cliche. He's like, no, I'm the special one. I'm like, that's what everyone who is the cliche says <laughs> that they're the. S- so uh, wow, and uh, quit doing. Com- He's retired. Okay, this is what you could say. Um, he did comedy a couple times afterwards, but not really much. And uh, so. And now he's uh, living in Seattle with his wife, and she has three kids that uh, he, you know, helps parent. And they're like 18, I've I've never met them, 18, 16, and 12 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he seems fine. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So. Wow, I didn't expect that. Big big four years. (laughs) Holy shit, Big four years. Yeah, it was wild. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. you guys were co-headlining, I guess you could say, that last time. And he hadn't been here in like 20 years. Yeah, he hadn't been here, yeah, since 91. Amazing. Yeah, when they threw that parade for him. So. <laughs> right. If you uh, want to go back and listen to that yeah. one, it's an all-timer. It is. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It has a couple of club favorites, Dave Mordahl and Nick Swartzen. Nick Swartzen, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I guess... Yeah, I mean, that's that's life. It's uh, all's well that ends well, you know? Can I, can I ask, did you have any idea that this, he was misbehaving all those years? Um... You know, it was kind of so. About two, maybe a year, two years prior, they decided to sell the house, and it was a very weird choice because they had a um, a great house in a great location, and the market was going up. It was at nowhere near leveled out, and they decided. And I was kind of like, "That's weird." And then my mom and him were just at each other all of the time, and I was like, "Something's up." And my sisters, how long have they been married? 35 yeah okay years? long time 30 33 yeah. yeah a lot of years yeah um and they were at each other's throats so my sisters and i actually sat them down and said like you guys i mean get divorced i don't care what it is but don't do this to each other this is terrible uh and they had already planned to sell the house and use that money to take the time off so he could go to rehab um so they kind of were like, "No, you guys are crazy. You aren't. You're you're lying to yourself." You know, it was a very weird, uh-huh. uh, manipulative sort of thing. And then, um, and also when I kind of when I got into comedy, I had known my dad from the being his kid perspective. And then I get to work with a lot of his friends, and I get to become friends with his friends, uh, Dave Crow, Kermit Apio. Yeah. And when my dad. L- Left this club in 91. He left midweek. That's why he didn't work here for years. Right. Um, Lewis had thought it was because of the parade. My dad uh, always told me it was because my sister had died. And I, for some reason, I didn't connect the dots. She died in 89. This was 91. Like, oh. it's not. Yeah. The, the stress, you know, it's not. I understand if it was a couple months later and you're like, I got to get home. But it was a very, you know, and so I didn't connect those dots beforehand. And then at one point, another comedian said, oh, yeah, he laughed. He was having a tough time with his coding problem. And I was like, I don't even I didn't know that was a thing. And I kind of let that slide. So hindsight connecting the dots, I go, oh, wow, there was a lot of uh, issues going on there. And um yeah, I mean, addiction's a, a terrible, uh, it's a motherfucker. Right? Hell yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, you know, me listening to you talk about this and everybody else hearing this uh, on the podcast is thinking of someone in their family. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I, uh, I, I, I always feel somewhat hesitant to talk about it because it's his story, number one. Yeah. Um, and number two, uh, you know, 
Uh, he's as good of a human being as he is. And sure. We all are. And uh, he deserves whatever respect he deserves. And, and I don't want to paint a poor picture of him because there's also so many other aspects of, of him. Of course. You know, uh, as a father and as a comedian, as you know. And so whenever I say that, I try to couch it in... This yeah. isn't all of him. Right, right, know, right, right. Uh, because there are other aspects of him that are fantastic. And and uh, addiction bites most of us at some point. Yeah, pretty, mu <laughs> pretty much. How do, how, maybe not even maybe him specifically, how does someone start getting addicted to codeine? I don't entirely know. Um, I think... Um, I mean, that's really, that's yeah, I mean, prescribed I've, in a, I don't... Do people have codeine around? I don't know. Well, I think if if you're <laughs> bouncing around with different narcotics because of different prescriptions and that sort of things, um, then you kind of bounce around. And then he was on cruise ships. And what he could do is he could go to Mexico or Canada and get Tylenol 222s. And then what you do is you crush them up in cold water. You let the and when once you do. I, once I heard he was doing this, I Googled it, and you can YouTube videos. They're all over the place. So if, if you want to start a horrible addiction that ruins your family, <laughs> this is how you do it. Or and, you could go to another video and learn how to fix your plumbing problem. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of possibilities. There's so many how-tos out yeah, there. But Be careful you, which one you yeah, choose. Yeah, you crush them up, you put them in cold water, the binders and the aspirin float to the or sink to the bottom, and then you filter it through a coffee filter, and what you get is pure codeine water. So it doesn't damage your liver, and you can also manage your high. Wow. So it's not sloppy like heroin. Uh, it's not expensive or hard to get like oxycodone or things yeah. like that. So uh, wow, yeah. For all of you, my dad is a very smart guy. He's if you know if i i can say a lot of things about it. one thing is he's not he's not dumb okay yeah, yeah. he's he's going to figure out the best way to do something <laughs> he certainly did not many people can manage a narcotics addiction for over 20 years that's you know that had to have been tough to hide mm -hmm. real tough to hide wow wow that's well i thank you for sharing that so that's the uh, start of the podcast <laughs> wow hey let's talk about you now joe <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to do? Ask about your dad at the end? No, I, I know. know no, I know. I know. I know. I'm just, it's, uh, <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, it's all up from here. It's. Uh... Let's talk about you, Joe Larson, specifically okay. now. Right. Um, you are here. Your wife. You were. You and I were talking about the bar briefly. Yeah. Let's talk about your family. The closer, the closer knit part of your family. Okay. Your, you said your wife's a doctor. She's a doctor. Uh, she at one point married a heroin addict. So if you want to <laughs> keep on that, we could. He's got a fascinating story. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're that's, not serious. That's how a comedian gets a doctor. Are you kidding me? Timing. She had just divorced a heroin addict. <laughs> oh I looked. God. I looked incredible next to him. You know. Wow. No track marks. You should say. Were you wearing a t-shirt? Yeah. You exactly. <laughs> just look at those veins. He is attractive. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> yeah. She's wow. got what that was. Well, one of the things that did attract me to her was that hey, she's beautiful and very smart, but like she's also a tough woman. She had all these incredible war stories that I had no idea about when I first met her. And we were chatting one day, and, and she kind of dumped all this on me. I was just blown away by how strong of a person she was. And, um, yeah, she married a guy that she had met in college. He was a pharmacy tech. She was going to pharmacy school. And uh, he stole, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of narcotics from Swedish hospital. They caught him only by putting in cameras because he was manipulating the computer system to give him drugs for free. And they were like, okay, we won't press charges or arrest you if you just tell us how you did it. So huh. we can so nobody else can do it. Right. So he did. He lost his license. And it's like these computer hacks that get yeah. hired by Apple or whatever. Totally. Right. So he goes home and she's naive, 21, 22, going to pharmacy school and, and he's like, yeah, I won't do it anymore. So, of course, he switches to heroin. It gets real sloppy. Uh, ends up robbing 11 banks. Whoa. Um, While they were together? Some of maybe. Some of them probably. Some of them afterwards because he was dealing heroin and afterwards. Um, Holy crap. They got, they got divorced. The FBI showed up at her house once and was like, hey, uh, we think your ex-husband was robbing a bunch of banks. Uh, can you point us, him out in some pictures? And she was like, I'm done with this. And they're like, well... You were married to him for part of them, so you could be an accomplice. So how about she points him out? And she was like, that is bullshit. Yeah. So she was like, definitely, definitely, maybe, 
I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And they were like from evidence from yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Here's the craziest thing. He cleans up on his own eventually, right? Gets a job, does all this other stuff. Eventually, FBI catches up to him. Hey, you robbed a bunch of banks. Goes to court. He had been clean, holding down a job for like three years. No, no. Th they were like, obviously, you're not doing this anymore. So go home. What? Robbed 11 banks. Go home. So apparently, if you want to rob banks, do heroin first. Clean up. <laughs> you know, wow. Like, just, my, be, just uh, yeah, I have a success story. I can't story. get out of tickets. <laughs> no shit. I can't get out of speeding tickets. No. I had a parking ticket that was bullshit the other day. I had to pay the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> this guy robs 11 banks. You, well, you should have should have showed up with a sob story about I something know. that you kicked. I know. Wow. Uh, so, uh, I do not do heroin. And <laughs> For the record. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, how, so, long, how long have you been married? Uh, f five years. Five years. Right yes. on. And I saw, doing all my uh, vigorous research okay. online, that you have two daughters have now. Two daughters, two yes. Two daughters now. A four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Congrats. Thank you. Yes. How, um, I saw that you were doing a blog about that. Yeah, Man with a Baby mm -hmm. was the blog. Yeah. Where, uh, the idea, the premise of the blog was that a lot of times dad is sort of a term that is synonymous with mom assistant. Like, he's not his own person. He does what the mom tells him to do with the kids because, I mean, sure, he can fix a car or change out a transmission or build a building, but he probably can't change a fucking diaper on his own. <laughs> you know, like like the male skill set is kind of bullshit when it comes to parents. And I, I disagree. I think that that's the beautiful thing about having two parents is they bring two sets of skills and two sets of... So the, I kind of took it the extra step and made it absurd and humorous and, you know, um, gave pieces of advice, like how to get out of a play date. I found out that you actually do not have to be a reg or a actual convicted uh, sex offender to register as one, uh, which is a very effective means of getting out of chaperoning <laughs> play dates. You don't you can't even legally pick your kid up from school, so you don't have to pick up at school either. <laughs> so you get to sleep in, you know, you know. Uh, so like things like that were on the, on the blog. Nice. I once, I think, I think I brought this up on the podcast. I once complained that I went to chaperone. I did some chaperone. Yeah. I'm a veteran chaperone, <laughs> elementary school chaperone. I did a, 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 some activity in, with my daughter's fourth grade class last fall. And I had to do a, they had to do a background check for you to participate. Okay. Yeah. And you have to pay for your own background check. Are you kidding me? No. To volunteer. Yeah. How much is it? I don't, it was like, you know, not a lot. Twenty bucks, seventeen bucks, twenty-seven, something like that. Something yeah. with a seven. In it. But here's the thing: is even like there's, when you say not a lot, you can either take it two ways. You can go like, well, it's not a lot, so I'll just pay it. Or it's like, it's not a lot. Why aren't they paying it? Exactly. You know, like there's, oh, you know, that's definitely yeah. how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh huh. Seventeen bucks. I'm gonna help out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so you, so I have to jump through a little hoop here to come help you guys for yeah, free. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I have a kid in the class. Yeah. She's fine. <laughs> right. Right. I think the just, I think the the background check should just be you show up, you raise your hand really fast. If they flinch, you don't get to go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to just, I always wanted, and I'm, I'm trying to, as a joke, teach my kids that when I raise my hand like a backhand, that they just get in line behind me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's our sign language, but to everybody else, it looks terrible. <laughs> He's really got those kids aligned, honey. I think he beats them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he beats them. I don't remember uh, if we talked about it, but where, what age did you start doing stand up? Uh, nineteen, I think. Nineteen? Yeah, nineteen, almost twenty. Was yeah. there everything with your dad doing that? Was there anything else you were ever gonna do? Yeah, I didn't plan on it. No, I was uh, my living in my parents' house being a screw-up, and my dad was, you know, I was waking up hungover at noon, and he was like, uh, you, ever, you ever think about doing stand-up? And I said, no. And he said, well, my my buddy's teaching a class this week. I can get you in for free if you want. 
And I said, no, I'm okay. And he was like, are you, I mean, like, you would never try? But you have a $17 background check before you Yeah, yeah, class, yeah, exactly. So. And he was like, would you never try? And I was like, no, I don't really want it. And he's like, what the fuck else are you going to do this weekend? And I was like, I guess I'll give it a shot. And then I- Were you in college at the time or? Kinda. Kinda? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Enrolled? Yeah. Community college. Right. Does that count? Uh-huh. You know? Not really. <laughs> exactly. So- It's sort uh, of like a part-time job. Yeah. It's just, it, it's- I mean, as I have said, I wrote the joke, it's not really college. It's more holding place until your parents realize maybe we didn't birth a winner. You know, <laughs> and then you can, you can, after you've disappointed them fully, move on to your <laughs> job at Wendy's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started very young, though. And where, where, where were you living then? Seattle. Seattle. Beautiful Seattle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you, and then you, yeah, exactly. You, meant, you mentioned all the Seattle comics. Kermit, yeah, 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 yeah. David Crow. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Dave, Dave, and Kermit were both uh, incredibly kind when I first started. Kermit took me on a lot of uh, local road gigs, and then once I got to the point where I could feature, like on the road, especially after I moved to New York, uh, Dave would take me out, and Dave and I became uh, best friends. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, love, love those guys. Ah, oh, they're the best. When did you move to New York then? Ten years ago now. For comedy? Yeah, for comedy. Yeah, yeah. My my, we I had met my girlfriend. We moved in together after two months. And then, like, four months in, she was like, I'm quitting my job. She was working for another place, and she was going to start her own practice in Seattle. And so I said, uh, in my one moment of maturity in my life, uh, I said to her, I was actually able to say to her, um, well, I'm moving to New York or L.A. within a couple of year, years, probably. So just heads up, FYI, you know. And so she came back with plane tickets to both places and said, okay, let's go check it out. Wow. And uh, she dug New York, and so we moved there. And that's your wife you're talking about? Yeah. Look at that. You guys have been together a long time, then. Yeah. Holy crap, man. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> another... Statistically. Statistically <laughs> speaking, 10 years is the average divorce. In the U.S. Uh, uh, yeah. Mine, mine in fact, I, I'm remarried after – you met my uh, very early stages of being my girlfriend when you were here for episode five. And now oh, yeah? We, and now we've been married for seven months, eight months. Congratulations. Like yeah. Yeah. That's very Things exciting. happen. Yeah. She wow. was sitting in the audience when we uh, recorded with yeah, you and your dad. Yeah. I vaguely recall that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How's living in New York? What kind of place do you? I'm always curious what kind of place you get when you live in New York. Yeah, that's the that's the thing because it's a it's the most ridiculous place on the, New York and San Francisco. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, when we first moved there, we lived in Chelsea, which is in Manhattan, and we had a very nice building. Um, when you, when you, I don't make the phone calls to the real estate agents because my answering machine doesn't say Doctor Brooke Kalanick. When they when they hear that, they go, Oh yeah yeah, come on over. Yeah yeah. Um, so uh, uh she found a place in London Terrace Towers which is on 9th and 23rd and it is old art deco building it's on the historic registry wow um uh Debbie Harry had an apartment in the building, uh-huh. Blondie herself, yeah. um, Nicole Kidman, Catherine Keener, a bunch of the SNL guys had lived there throughout the years, so yeah. the doormen had fantastic stories. Actually, the first time I saw Debbie Harry, she lived on the seventh floor, we lived on the 12th, and she lived in the same apartment that we did. I think she probably blew out the walls and had a couple others attached, you know. Um, but I get in the... I get in the elevator with her, and I push 12, and then she gets in, push 7, and I look over, and I do a double take, and I, I go, oh, 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 you're fucking awesome. And she <laughs> just goes, ugh, and walks off. What? <laughs> I get it. Like, you know, you don't want that at home. No, don't. You know, I live here, I live kid. here. Come on. Yeah, right. uh-huh. Be cool. <laughs> uh, but we had a studio apartment in that building. <laughs> And uh, when we left it, we were paying twenty five hundred a month for five hundred square feet studio. Oh, that's some bad math, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's bad a lot. math. Uh, and so, and then we moved out to Brooklyn when we got pregnant. Uh, to Park Slope, which is uh, where all the kids are. Okay. It's, uh, it's great because the, if the girls want to meet a friend, we literally just walk out the door and there's 15 kids. Awesome. They're, they're, it's, they're everywhere. You found a place to do that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where everybody makes jokes about it. It's it's so cliche at this point. Oh, okay. Um, 
And so we got a two bedroom with a little office there uh, for twenty six hundred. <laughs> it's another hundred dollars a month, you know. Um, but the landlord there's the most interesting dude on the planet. His name's Lou. Uh huh. He's seventy one now, and uh, uh, he's spry, chipper, healthy, physically all there. He's a millionaire. He owns, I think, eight or nine buildings in the in the city. Um, like our building, he bought for. Just about a hundred thousand dollars in the eighties, and it's got four apartments plus a store in it, and like, I mean, he probably makes over a hundred thousand dollars on it each year. So, like, he makes what he, his initial principal was on it, <sighs> and he's got a building in Tribeca and a bu- all over the city. He's got all these buildings, and um, he doesn't spend money on much, but he always has a new Corvette. So mm-hmm. he has his shitty work van that he'll pull up on. And then he has his Corvette and he treats them the same. <laughs> so the other day they were like the store had some like something fall off the way. He was doing patchwork on the walls. He brought in plywood and I saw him. He brought in plywood strapped to the top of his Corvette. It was a no. beautiful thing because he because he's got fuck you. He's got enough money. He doesn't he doesn't I can ra- buff these out with yeah. hundred dollar bills. He doesn't. And no thing. He doesn't raise rent. Wow. And when I, we moved in, somebody told us that. And I was like, OK, like not much probably. I was talking to him the other day. He has this building in Tribeca he bought in 78. There was a woman that was living in her car, and uh, he, he got her a job working for him. You know, cleaning up apartments and just this, that, and the other, because he's a really sweet guy. And then he rented her uh, an, an apartment in the Tribeca, one, uh, one bedroom, uh, about 750 square feet, for $240, mm-hmm. right? Uh, two months ago, he moved her out of it. Spent $10,000 of his own money to move her into a nursing home because that's where she needed to be. Wow. And I was like, Lou, that's very sweet of you. And he goes, yeah, it'll be nice to make more than 240 bucks a month on that apartment. <laughs> and I was like, are you shitting me? That apartment goes for at least seven grand right now. He never raised her rent. Wow. It's insane. Like, he's that he's that kind of guy. He's got that mentality. So, you know, he, he once told me, you know, him in high school didn't. They didn't get they didn't get along. Uh-huh. So he quit that. He's an Italian guy, but he don't join the diamond business, which is all Hasidic Jews in New York. So he wasn't he didn't fit in very well. Uh, but he made a lot of money and they started buying buildings and this that, and the other. And uh, he's got these incredible stories. He shot a guy in Prospect Park once. Oh, uh, he has a he has a concealed carry permit, which nobody has in New York uh, because he was in the diamond business. Wild, and so he bought these bullets that once they hit you, they spread. So, and I was like, and I've always heard. Did of you those. Google that this is a real thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, but they they spread so they don't exit the body is the idea, uh-huh. right? They do an incredible amount of damage. That's what they were made for. He bought them so that they wouldn't do damage to somebody behind them. You're in New York City. If you're going to fire a gun into somebody, you don't want to fight. You don't want it to go through them. And then hurt somebody behind him. Makes was sense. His, was his logic, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he uh, he was uh, – this was the late 80s in Brooklyn, and it was a terrible neighborhood, my neighborhood then. Terrible. And uh, he was uh, he was hanging out with his, uh, his new girlfriend. His ex-wife comes by. She's yelling at him, and, and his girlfriend's like, just go handle it. Go handle it. So they go into Prospect Park, and they're kind of walking and talking. And, and he sees two guys come up, and they're going to mug him. And uh, one guy is standing in front of him going to mug him and saying, hey, man, how's it going? You know, let's, you know, give me your wallet. And he sees the other guy walking around behind him. Uh-huh. And the guy in front of him pulls out a machete. And the guy behind him uh, is rustling through the trees. And the guy with the machete goes, we can do this the hard way or the easy way. You know, give me your wallet or I'm going to fucking kill you or cut you. You know, yeah. And he, he goes, all right, I have a gun because you have to say that. And he pulls it out and he shoots the guy. And uh, the girl goes, runs off, calls the police. He waits there for them. Um, the guy ran off. Cops come back like to Lou three weeks later. And they're like, hey, uh, we found that guy. He went to some hood doctor right. because he couldn't go to a hospital. He's wheelchair bound for the rest of his life. He's got, you know, like bags and shit hanging off of him. He goes, well, you can press charges, but uh, even though he can't come after you, chances are he's got friends. And once you press charges and take it to court, they know who you are. So uh, I think justice has been served. You're welcome to, though, wow. if you want. He's cra- so <laughs> he's one of the most interesting people on the planet. Here's the most recent story that I loved. And this was the one I was initially getting into. 
He's a millionaire. Mm -hmm. He has a ton of money. New Corvette each week. But he dresses like a homeless person. He's got just shitty, you know, like white old, the old guy shoes that are just white Velcro, like that. And he just wears them until they're in the, like, holes. Right. And he's got, you know, he wears the same, he's got four pairs of jeans and he works in them and he wears black t-shirts only. And he's got, like, this stringy hair that he pulls back into a ponytail. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Love it. And he he has an old jacket that keeps him warm enough, you know? It's got (laughs) holes in the elbows. It's got holes. It's got, like, you know, he's got patched up and ripped and stuff. You could give him another one. He wouldn't wear it. He was going to the post office uh, near our house. And this woman goes, "Uh, mister, mister, here, take this coat. And he's like, he goes, no, 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 I'm good. Because he looks... He looks homeless. I mean, he really does. Yeah, yeah. He goes, no, no, I'm good. And she was like, no, don't have, don't be proud. Don't be too proud. I want you to have this. Take the coat. We are using it. We want you to have it. It's cold. And he's like, no, nah, really, lady, I'm fine. So he goes in the puzzle and comes back out. She's still there. She's like, just take it. And he goes, all right. Takes the coat, goes, he's unlocking his Corvette. The lady goes, what are you doing? He goes, shh, lady, I'm stealing it. <laughs> and then he gets in and drives off. No shit. With the coat. <laughs> that sounds like a freaking Seinfeld, like a Larry David story. He's he's so interesting because his priorities are so shifted from wow. the rest of us. Yeah. You know? It's really, he's a fascinating guy to talk to. Wow. Wow. You know, like, uh, you know, when they have like the big lottery, you know, when it's like 300 and some million dollars and you start yeah. thinking like, what would I do with that much money? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, clearly he's like, oh, I'm going to wear my same shitty shoes yeah. and, uh, but I'm just going to drive Corvettes. Yeah. He makes, and you know, he always buys the one the year before he doesn't buy the brand new year. He wa- finds one with like 4,000 miles on it. That's been off the lot. Cause it depreciates by so much when you drive it off. The- like he's, you frugal. know, he's a very frugal guy. That's the one thing he likes is a nice Corvette. And, uh, you know, he lives in one of the apartments in the building that he owns. It's not a big space. It's like a one bedroom. Crazy. You know, he just, his priorities are different than a lot of us. And so, and he's just old Brooklyn guard and he just fascinating guy. That's, um, that is amazing. Yeah. What, uh, I saw, I saw on Facebook that your wife, Dr. Brooke. Yep. Has, has, is very, she has a lot of, uh, followers. Mm -hmm. What kind of, what did kind of, uh doctoring does she do <laughs> uh, she specializes in pcos and hashimoto's you're making things up mm-hmm. yep moving on no, uh, <laughs> pcos is polycystic ovarian syndrome uh and uh hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition uh that affects the thyroid predominantly in women wow yep okay and um the thing about hashimoto's is it's um with autoimmune conditions there's no fix right Mm -hmm. you're gonna have it but there are certain things that you can do that can mitigate the damage and make your life better Mm -hmm. you know um so uh if you live the way you've been living chances are you're going to get more autoimmune conditions you're gonna have more inflammation more damage and then those lead to just tremendous other problems down the road and then if you deal with it and help yourself um, with it now, you can live a pretty healthy, normal life moving forward. Does she work uh, with people that have lupus? It's similar. Yeah, okay. similar. Yeah, my so, wife has lupus. Yeah, yeah, so with any autoimmune condition, and I, I, I know so little sure so i'm i may say wrong things i'm you know this is not my wife speaking this is me speaking (laughs) with any autoimmune condition anytime you flare up your immune system it's going to then attack whatever so with hashimoto's affecting the thyroid anytime your immune system flares up it attacks the thyroid right so even if you so gluten is a big one for people with hashimoto's they are allergic to gluten if they eat gluten it attacks it causes inflammation attacks the thyroid damages the thyroid more now they have less thyroid hormone then they get fatter then they get so it's this it's this uh vicious cycle yeah. that occurs and what you have to do is figure out what the components of the cycle are and stop those so that you still have the disease but you're not feeding it it's you know, does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah total sense. Uh, that's how i understand it yeah i could be wrong <laughs> If, uh, that was simplified enough for me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it's about that's about my level of understanding. Gotcha. Uh you were doing a TV show last summer. Mhm. Is that coming back? Uh it 
I don't know. It did super well. It was uh, called Babies. Babies Behaving Badly. It was on Discovery Family. It still is. Discovery Family, TLC, and Discovery UK. Um, nice. Yeah, at a pretty big market. Uh, and it was the highest rated premiere of the network, uh-huh. which is cool. Very cool. Um, and it was really fun to do and got me a... Uh, in at a couple of places that I wasn't in at before and for you. Uh, connections with a production company and a network. And, and so right now I'm in the process of trying to build another show and, and sell it to either the production company or the network or another network. And nice. Something with babies, something with babies. Really? Yeah. The, the problem with the previous, with that show is that buying those clips. So like, it was a clip show, right? right? So they show a funny thing and then we make fun of it. You and several other Very comics. Yeah. yeah. Me and three others. Um, those clips are expensive. Uh, who, who puts the price on them? Who sets the price? It depends. So if I put a clip up and nobody has reached out to me about licensing, the price is probably going to be pretty reasonable. But like America's Funniest Home Videos, if you send in, they then own that video and own the licensing rights. So you send in a video for free for the possibility of winning $10,000 or whatever it is, right? Then they own all of that footage. It's still online, but they own the rights to license it. Now, uh, I think I remember the one of the producers saying it's about $800 a second to license an America's Funniest Home Video home movie clip. Crazy. Wow. So the it really boosted the production cost quite a bit. Uh-huh. And so um, moving forward, I'm trying to write a show that incorporates funny kid videos, uh, but uh, puts a lot more story and original content around them so that we don't have to buy as many clips. Oh, okay. <laughs> Freaking AFV screwing everybody over. I know it. <laughs> Fucking Bob Saget. Are you shit? <laughs> Freaking Bergeron. I, I, I listened. I, I, so a buddy of mine looked up Saget's net worth recently. It's over $100 million. That's incredible. God damn I guess it. he did Full House, too, though. I guess that was, yeah. That's Fuller funny. House. Is he doing that? Is he part of the remake? Yes. How much money do you need? Come on. <laughs> how get, much more, get, get how much more Full House did we, yeah, did we exactly. need? <laughs> I know. I know. My daughters have apparently watched every episode. A fuller house? Yes. And my daughter, And how old is your daughter? Uh there's uh, nine and seven. Okay. Two daughters. And okay. they uh yeah, my one and Megan said that her favorite on there was the character Kimmy Gibbler, if you remember who that one was, the annoying That neighbor. was the older sister, right? No, there was the the neighbor friend who just would barge into their house. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny when you look at all of the sitcoms from that era, how they're all exactly the same. So she was Urkel, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or same network even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there was, you know, like there was, you know, whoever did that on Fresh Prince or whoever did that on uh, the Cosby. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. What's your how how big of an interest do you have in acting? Uh, I've started to do a lot more of it le- lately. I had never had any interest in it, and then, um, uh, like with this last job and a couple other jobs that I've gotten, um, it's become much more a part of it. And then I started taking some classes, and it it's really it's helped my stand up quite a bit. Really? Yeah. Uh, because. A lot of times you think about, or at least I do think about when I think about stand-up, is these are the words that are coming out of my mouth, and that's the whole message, right? And then maybe you do an act out here or there. But when you say something and your body's disconnected from it, you're sending out two messages. Every time your body moves, it's sending a message, right? Um, so if I'm talking to you right now and these are my natural hand gestures, but if I was doing, if I was talking to you and I was also doing this, it's <laughs> two completely different messages yeah. coming at you. So if I want to convey something more thoroughly to an audience, I have to be very, um, calculated in making sure that, cause with stand up, the words have to be perfect. And what if the movements are too? Does that make it ten times better? I mean, huh. Steve Martin talked about that. How he would he would chore he called it choreographing his set. It wasn't even it was like a dance almost to him. You know, you had to be perfect and everything was okay. on point. Um, and so uh, yeah, I think it, it's helped me expand that idea. Was it? Uh, <laughs> what's what is it like going to 
sign up for a class when you're it's, an adult. It's very, it is very weird. <laughs> yeah, to walk in and meet a guy your age, and be like, so uh, I don't know how to. And then also to to in acting classes, it's. <clears throat> I also try to pick things that I'm not comfortable with. You know, like one of the, one of the acting classes, we had to pick a, a monologue. And um, one of them was a guy presenting to an audience. And I was like, this one looks great. But I was like, I, I know how to present to it. Yeah. So I picked one where a guy was um, pathetically pleading to a woman. Okay. And uh, Something and- you'd never do. No. Uh, <laughs> I wait till their heroin addict husbands ditch them, or they ditch them, and then uh, then I look great next to them. Right? That's like what I used to do in, uh, like at, uh, when I was <clears throat> trying to meet a girl in college and you'd be at a party. I would stand back. I was you know, normally pretty quiet at first, just yeah. trying to get the feel of everything and everyone in the room and whatnot. I re- but I remember so many times I'd stand back, watch some guy totally fail at hitting on a girl, and then just yeah. swoop in, right? Swoop in and make fun of that guy exactly. and then you guys bond. Yes! You and I are two fucking souls uh-huh. that are the same. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey. hey, how's it going? I'll take, I'll take yeah. advantage of his failure. Yeah, look at that idiot. Oh, my goodness. I watched that from across the room. I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Must be rough. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, God, I can still remember the uh, keg of beer right in the kitchen so, and everything. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, red solo cup. How's it going? You want me to fill you up? Yeah. yeah? All right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, uh, what's your major? <laughs> um, I saw a video. I want to question. I want to ask you about uh, this. Thing. I want a question. That Joe, good. <laughs> Joe Larson, uh, uh, golf pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a, it's a real thing? Real so thing. I, I do a corporate show. Which what what we do? This I've done it a couple times. It's really fun. So what happens is, um, uh, the first one was this guy was retiring. Uh, he, had a, he had a corporation called CCM in uh, New Jersey, and he had people who worked from all over the world. So all these guys flew in for his retirement party because he started this corporation. It was passing on. And um, they were going to play golf in the morning. And then afterwards, they're going to have dinner and a uh, show. And so I, uh, I he was going to – we had two golf pros that were at the driving range before people went out while they were warming up. Give him some tips. Then the other. So I set up cameras as one of the golf pros. So there was one real pro, uh-huh. and then there was me. And uh, and I set up cameras, and it was supposed to be a uh, a video analysis of your golf swing. And the guy, the owner, was in on it. He was like, "This will be hilarious. You make him do stupid and ridiculous stuff. You keep telling, you know." Telling people that the other golf pros an idiot, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, you know, <laughs> right. and just just be an ass. And I was like, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, this is my bag. So I would stand there and I'd take foursomes and and I also I have a degree in exercise science, and so um, <clears throat> I uh, and I've done rehab and I've worked with athletes, I've worked with golfers, um, and so I. Uh, when I would, when the people would come up, they'd tell me things like, you know, I'd start asking them questions about their game, start asking questions about their history with it, uh, pro- issues, injuries, sort of things like that. And all of these things would just present themselves. Like one guy, he, uh, his swing was short, right? Uh-huh. It was short. So he'd swing through. So I was like, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to really reach with your club so you can follow through better. And he did, and the swing is a little better. Okay. Uh, what I want you to do this time is just turn your left foot out so your hips can get around a little bit more. And so he turns his left foot out, swings a little better. I go, okay. Pretty good, but I don't know. I, something's up. I I got a weird question for you. Are you, a, are you a boxers guy or a briefs guy? And he goes, boxers. Why? Oh, that's, that's your problem. A lot of people don't talk about this, and it's kind of weird, but um, all of the – like big time go, they wear really tight underpants so it keeps their balls forward. Because when you swing that back knee around, <laughs> if it comes too close to your front leg, it'll impinge your balls against your legs and you'll cut your swing short. So what I want you to do is I want you to set everything up, right? And then before you bring your right hand around to the club, I just want you to take it and no. pull them forward oh, no. and then bring it around. And he did. And it it, it flew far and straight. No. Just perfect. Way. And he turns around like, what? And I was like, oh, you know. And you had to have been amazed. <laughs> I was blown away. I was blown away. Um, 
but one of the nice parts is, is typically as people, especially if they're cold, as they swing, their swings are always going to get better. Yeah. Right? And also, I, I do golf a little bit, and I know biomechanics very well. And so I'm able to manipulate, give them two or three very real uh, suggestions before I take them off the cliff. And then they're like, they're once they, really? Oh, what? And so apparently all 18 before every shot, except for putting. This guy was no. pulling his balls for it. And then, and then. Love it. Yeah. So it's, it's super. I got one guy wasted beforehand. You know, he, uh. I saw it. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. no, come on. Bourbon. Yeah. Totally. I, I was making a Manhattan's. I brought out both, both vermouth and Sweet bourbon. Yeah. And it's just, you know, shaking it up. Here you go. Take one of these. Ah, not, not quite yet. Um. I, uh, there was, I saw one guy was, it was, uh, reminded me of those shake weight videos. He was kind of. Yeah. So what that is, the, what that one was, and that video, what I did was in order to get a better looking, better shots video, I staged the stuff I had already done with other people with comic friends. Oh, you know? okay. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, so what that was, uh, a guy came up, he goes, I have a rotator cuff issue i just had surgery on it about six months ago so i said oh so you've in rehab used a body blade right he goes yeah so i said we're gonna use a golf club like a body blade oh yeah body blade yeah have you ever used one of those no, i know what it is so I yeah so they, they go back and forth in a short motion and it produces it is flimsy so the force continues in the direction after you change directions right, right? it it allows you to use the muscle in a short range of motion and apply a decent amount of force so I go, we're going to use the golf club as a body blade. So I have him hold it and go back and forth, external rotation. And then I have him bring it out to the front, out to the side, up and down. And then I just have him bring it right in front like he's jerking off, right? And he doesn't think anything of it at the time. And then we go into the golf swings. Yet I've got it caught on camera. And I mean, that one works every single time. <laughs> Every time I've done it, there's at least some guy with a rotator cuff issue or, you know, I just do it as part of a warm-up yeah. and they don't notice it. But then when they see it on camera at the show later, they just, you know, they're they embarrassed. See it yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So so then what I do is um, they go out and they play golf. They come back. They have dinner. And then, um, oh, we've also, you know, they everybody knows they're going to watch a comedian. And this comedian's been on, you know, this, that, and the other. Please welcome to the stage, Joe Larson. And then I walk out and people are just like, oh, fuck. We've been had, you yeah. know, and then I show the video. Of awesome. Them and it's it's so much fun. So much fun. Awesome. Yeah. I, that, has a, that has a potential to be huge, doesn't it? Hopefully. I yeah. mean, I, it's been hard to sell that much. I think once I get more and more um, testimonials that it was fantastic because I've only got I only sold it twice. Yeah. That it'll take off. Um, my management also wants to turn it into a show, like a prank show, um, using all that. kinds of sports. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Or all types of sports. Yeah. 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 Tell yeah. me more about this. What, what, how do you, what degree did you say that you have? Uh, exercise science. Exercise science. Yeah. Is that from the community college? <laughs> no, actually, it's from a real college. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I figured. Where'd you go? Yeah. Um, I went to a place called Ashmead in Seattle. Okay. And I uh, got a yeah, got a degree in exercise science, and um, and I've been training. I usually train Mondays and Wednesdays in New York City, um, and I write programs for a lot of people, and uh, yeah, help people out. Work like as a part time job, you're doing this. Yeah, right? yeah. getting paid and a little I, bit. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not gonna do it for free. Are you kidding nice. Me? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll work with some comedians every once in a while for free, friends and stuff, and and help people out or share programs or things like that. Yeah. Um. And I keep some general population clients, and I've worked with a couple of athletes as well. When I first got out of school, I worked with elite figure skaters, which was the worst job on the planet. Because you realize, like, figure skaters top out around 20. So if you're, like, a, a local elite possibly going national, you're 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. And you're either a little girl or a confused little boy for the most part. There was maybe a couple of, but there was, I, the, I, the class I taught had two obviously gay young men, mm -hmm. which at 14, the worst, mm -hmm. the worst, because it was just, they, none of them wanted to do anything I had to say. They're not, you know, they're kind of serious, but they you know, and some of them are going to move on. And it's also that point of excellence where we're separating, you know, we're separating the one person who may actually move on uh -huh. to, you know, the major leagues from the 14 people that are not. And yeah. so it's, it, it was very weird. Wow. It was, sucked. Um, 
And then I was I was a elite triathlete at the time, <clears throat> so I also coached triathletes and built their programs. And then I moved to New York City and worked worked mostly general population. And then I started working at a place that just shut down called Big Performance, and they were a private training studio only. Some famous people worked out there. Fallon worked out there for a while. Um, <clears throat> Claire Danes, a couple oh. others. <clears throat> Apparently, my throat is not. I'm enjoying this interview. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk for a moment. Uh, that is <clears throat> wow. So yeah. that's what you like. You went to college to get that degree mm-hmm. do, to do that to do to train. Yeah, well, I kind of figured it's it's always been a part of my life. Um, uh, physical activity. What did you? What sports did you do? Like in high school? Uh, I did karate all in like elementary, middle school, high school. I wrestled in high school. I did cross country in high school. <clears throat> Became a lifeguard and a swim coach in high school as well, and then. Started doing triathlons after that. And then I've also done boxing and Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. Damn. So. Mixed yeah. martial arts? I trained. I've trained a couple of MMA guys. One of my uh, friends, former clients. Uh, is Mark- the girl that's on Dancing with the Stars now? Is there a girl on Dancing with the Stars yeah, now? No. It's I an don't. MMA fighter. Oh, that's awesome. No, there's a guy named Marcos Galvo who's fighting, I think, next month. He's He's got the... Belt at 135 in the Bellator Championship, and he's fighting Eduardo Dantas. Damn. So how much are you going on the road right now, then, working? Uh, I was on the road like three weeks last month, uh, two weeks this month, you know, so a bit. Okay. Yeah. And like when you're here in Minneapolis, do you... I've seen the little workout room at the oh, hotel they put that. you up in. There's a. It's not that impressive. For anybody in Minneapolis, I want you to go to the best gym in Minneapolis, which is called Movement Minneapolis. It's owned by uh, a badass woman, super awesome, named Jen Sinclair. Look her up as well. Um, it's a fantastic gym. It's the if you if you want uh, the best experts uh, and the best advice and the best gym, uh, go to Movement Minneapolis. I'll be going there actually right after this. Oh, right on. I'm meeting with her at about three thirty. So. Oh, okay. How about uh, swimming? Do you still swim? No, no. Um, I mean, it was. Um, because I was a lot, actually, when I became a lifeguard, I didn't know how to swim. What? I, I have sheer tyranny of will. I, uh, <laughs> you have to swim a 500, you know, did you swim? I did. Yeah. And I did the lifeguard thing and I mean, hold the brick out of the water, yeah. right? Yeah. So tread water and hold mm-hmm. the brick. So the first days, like you got to swim a 500, you got to retrieve something out of a 12 foot pool or bottom and you got to tread water for two minutes or something. Yeah. You didn't, it wasn't the brick yet, but okay. it was like the first day, just if you're going to keep doing this class. So we get in the pool, and I knew how to like kind of swim, but I swam 500 with my head out of the water, <laughs> just thrashing everywhere, terribly. Yeah. So people are getting done in like six, seven minutes. At about minute 15, they're all sitting outside the pool. I get out like, all right, and the guy goes, "There is no way I should let you continue this class." But I was blown away by the <laughs> fact that you were willing and able to fight through that wow. for that long. He goes, next time, put your goddamn face in the water. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I don't like the water. So, but I learned how to swim and, um, you know, there were some great people that uh, helped me learn. And it also helped me become a better swimming instructor and coach because I learned later in life uh, – it's, you know, like when you learn something as a little kid, you just know how to do it. And you're like, well, I don't, you know, how do you do it? Well, I, you just do it this way because I've sure. always said, you know, um, but to learn it later in life, I understood the mechanics of it a little bit more, which was uh, helpful for me. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Are you teaching, uh, you got your kids in any, well, not the one and a half year old, but is, what was you said? That one's four? Yeah. Five, four. Four? four? I, she she going to get into some sports? Um, she's doing karate right now. Nice. She, she loves it. Uh, she does karate, ballet, theater class as well. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> she, about six months ago. What does a four-year-old do with theater class? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're always pretending. I mean, it's not like it's any, yeah. Pretend you're sleeping. God, I'd love that. Right? <clears throat> Three seconds. Yeah. I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, about, about um, six months ago, she asked my wife to see a heart. And so she showed her a diagram of a heart. Uh-huh. And then uh, she was like, no, I want to see a real heart. And so she showed her a picture. And she was like, no, no, like one that's moving. And so she was like, well, I can probably look up like an open heart surgery on YouTube, but it might be scary. And she was like, it's fine. And so 
they watched open heart surgeries for like an hour and a half. <sighs> and then for the next two weeks, that's all she wanted to watch. So she'd be in the back of the car on YouTube on my phone, just going through open heart surgeries. And she learned all the four ventricles of the heart. She can tell the difference between, um, a heart transplant, like a valve replacement. She can tell you which one's the aorta, one, which one's the vena cava. She can tell you what a lot of the tools are. And then she got into brain surgeries. <clears throat> and then she got into spinal cord surgeries. And then two weeks ago, we watched uh, li um, lung transplants for about two hours. And she she is really into the anatomy. She can name most of the bones of the body. Um, and You said she's four. We're still four. I'm talking about a four-year-old. Yeah, four. And then last week, uh, she didn't sleep well one night. She kept getting up and stuff. And I was like, uh, Lola, what's, you know, what's up? Were you having bad dreams? What's going on? And she was like, I don't know. I guess my pineal gland didn't make enough melatonin. And I was like, you know too much. Wow. You know too much. Wow. Yeah. She <laughs> tested me the other day. She goes, Dad, what bone is in two parts of your body but has the same name? Do you know? No. She goes, phalange. Oh, uh-huh. You have it on your fingers and on your toes. Sure. Like, well, okay. You little brat. Yeah. <laughs> she's just too smart. So she she really absorbs that medical stuff, and she's fascinated by it. So Just for the record, I, I can't. <clears throat> I, if you were like, let's watch this. Let's watch what she watched. Oh. No way. I don't want to see that. I bow out about halfway through always. I don't and I, I don't want to give her any stigma about it. So I'm just like, oh, I have to go make a phone call. Or, you know, like, I'm, That's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had to do the dishes. You know, uh -huh. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I can see it now. You're watching. Um, you pull up Netflix and put on a little episode of ER, and she's critiquing like they're not even using. No, that's wrong. Did they have an expert on set? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I'm sending a letter, <clears throat> honey. This show they don't make this show anymore. Honey. <laughs> uh, I've taken up quite a bit of your time here, but I want to get to a few more quick things yeah, sure. here. Like on your website, you have a CD for sale. Yeah, yeah, and for free. I was going to say it also says if you sign up for the yeah, mailing if you list. sign up for my email list, I'll give it to you for free. Why nice. Not? Yeah. Nice. I want more emails. That's what I want. <laughs> really, what I want is I want people to come out to the shows. Yeah. You know. Um. And so when I made that CD, I made it at the Denver Comedy Works, and I made it myself. Uh, I had contracts from a couple different places, but my goal with it was to give it away as so that people will come see me. Mm -hmm. And so the easiest way for me to do that is you sign up for my email list, CD's yours. Nice. The website is? JoeLarsonComedy.com. JoeLarsonComedy.com. And you named the CD? Uh, debut album, Greatest Hits. <laughs> You'd be amazed at how many people explain that joke to me after the show. No, no. Oh, no. get it? Because it's the... F no. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I said it. I wrote it down. I sent it to a graphic designer. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad no one pointed that out to me until <laughs> you just now at a uh, comedy I club. Should, I should do that. What? <laughs> I still don't see it. What are you talking about? <laughs> So you sell, you'll be like people come to the Acme show? Yeah. The Acme shows, you'll have them? Physical yeah, copies? what I do is I sell the physical copies after the show for a variable cost. Okay. Um, so what, what I do is- Whatever you have change for? No, I you come up to me, I judge you. Uh, not only do you get a great CD, but you get to find out what you're worth, and I think that's what the real value is. <laughs> So it's a fun game. We play that game. After Wait, does, does your uh, does does the potential customer know they're being judged? Yeah, I tell them that oh, beforehand. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll say like like for you, sir. Like in the audience, maybe twenty bucks. But for this beautiful woman with a large rack, maybe like two bucks and a long hug, right? <laughs> so, and I've and I'll also barter. You got something cool? You got beaver pelts? Let's do this. Yeah. You know, like, so okay. I had a woman give me 400 franc. Yeah. It's a useless money. But wow. I thought my daughter might, because there's, you know, they use the euro now. You're right, right. But I was like, my daughter might think it's cool at some point to have some 400 francs. So I got, I gave her four, you know, I gave her a CD, you know, so it's, yeah. You, you no, got, you know what's going to happen when you <clears throat> give that to that brainiac daughter. Yeah, no, She's going to throw it back Jesus in your Christ. face. Give this me something worth yeah. something. <laughs> I know. I know. But so, so it's a fun game we play. And But really, my goal, again, is to meet audience get and, get, and get something in their hands and, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and develop a, a, an audience. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I like that. Um, anything else we should be mentioning here before we hit the road? Otherwise, other than, uh, <clears throat> like, 
Twitter. Uh, what about Joe? Uh, Facebook, Joe Larson Comedy. Instagram, Joe Larson Comedy. Um, Pinch- How do they, if someone wants to make an appointment with your wife, who do they call? No, Doctor Brooke, uh, betterbydrbrook.com. Okay, check it out. It really, honestly, she's got. She puts out an incredible amount of information. Uh, she blogs every week, and um, if you are basically, if you're a woman with hard, a hard to a hard fat loss woman, a woman who's not able to lose weight or lose fat, you know, or or you're always fatigued all the time. Go there and start reading because there's a good possibility that you're going to uh, start falling down a rabbit hole that might lead you to better health. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it, she, she puts out an incredible amount of information for free. And, uh, nice. yeah, and you can get a lot, a lot out of it. And to read your daughter's blog, where would we find that? <laughs> <laughs> The female doogie dot com. <laughs> and if you don't already own that, you better get on it. Uh, yeah, I got to <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, this has been great, Joe. Yeah. Thanks I'd, a lot, man. And, uh, you know, come back in less than three and three quarters years. Well, I need more stories. I got <laughs> actually next time we'll talk about my new tattoo. Oh, there's a teaser. I yeah, like it. Exactly. All right, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, man.